steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Behold. And today, well, we're talking about yet another Minnesota Vikings loss. Um, another gut punch, if you will. Um, ultimately, this game came down to one final play, which, of course, the Vikings defense conceded. DK Metcalf found his way into the end zone, and the Seahawks walked off on the Vikings by a score of 27-26. to 26. Now, as of this recording, you guys have already had a couple days to digest this loss. Um calm your anger, if you will. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to try to reinvigorate that anger. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're gonna... <laughs> A little bit. I mean, <laughs> I have some complaints and um, we'll discuss all of that um, throughout the show today. Um, and then later on in the week, uh, we will preview the Vikings upcoming matchup. So for today, we're focusing on uh, that matchup this past Sunday night, uh, which really, for the most part, like there are a lot of bright spots in this game, but it ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you flip the scoreboard, if the Vikings had won 27-26, we're singing a much different tune, right? Uh, but because of the way this ultimately ended, uh, it's another it's another tough loss. And I, I know that everyone in Minnesota is just thinking, you know, why is it always us? Well, you know, this happens all the time, and it feels like it's only Vikings fans. Well, it is Falcons fans too, I guess. But it does feel like it's only Vikings fans yeah. for the most part. Uh, it just sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could throw the Chargers in there, too, after seeing what happened to them Monday night. Uh, but this was, I, I I feel weirdly, this is as good as I felt about a Vikings loss in a while. Like, it's one of those where, you know, go to Seattle, undefeated team uh, against perhaps the best quarterback in football right now. And right. first half, completely dominated the game. Right. Uh, right. Dominated time of possession, which had been a major struggle the first two weeks of the season. Um you know, third down defense has been superb this season, uh, or at least the last few weeks here. And um, the uh, the running game was also awesome. You know, even Dalvin going out and, uh, you know, Madison came in there and was supremely efficient. Mike Boone had a couple nice carries. There's a lot of good things about this game. And I think it really just comes down to that early stretch in the third quarter is when right. things really, really flipped. Does. And yeah. whether you think it was, it was um, kind of like – if that was sparked by Dalvin being hurt or not, I don't know, but it was basically the Kirk's, uh, the Kirk interception and the Kirk strip sack were kind of compounded mistakes there that essentially handed Seattle like 14 points in a row there. And coming back from that just proved to be too much. Yeah. And that's the truth of it, right? I mean, you know, you mentioned it. The first half was picture perfect, you know, 13 to nothing going into halftime. If you told me the Vikings could have a two score lead nearly, a two touchdown lead on the Seattle Seahawks playing on their field, I'd be very, very satisfied. And really the performance was satisfying as well. It wasn't the most efficient thing you'll ever see, but they had what I think they had three drives of 10 plays or more uh, yeah. for the first time since like 2004. Right. And they were chewing up clock like crazy. Like you said, you know, they weren't just running up and down the field with sprinter speed, but they were slowly kind of getting there. And they were kept putting points on the board consistently. 
Vikings scored seven in the first and then six in the second. And then again, six in the third and six, seven in the fourth. Granted, that didn't that proved to not be enough. But my point being here is that for that first half, like, if there is a way to beat Russell Wilson, if there's a way to manage his ability to be so efficient all the time in so many like pieces of his role, it's just to keep him off the field. That's what you say about every best player, right? If, if you're going to beat a team that has a stud player, keep him off the field. And the Vikings did just that to it, like an unbelievable degree in the first half. It was outstanding. Front to back, There's I have no complaints about the first half. Like, other than I, the am, fact that I am more. like very pleasantly surprised in the Vikings offense this year as a whole. Uh, it's like, I mean, outside of that Colts game, this offense has been awesome. Uh, you know, the running game is awesome. Dalvin's been great. And then Madison, of course, was great against Seattle. Um, Kirk has been, like, really good. I don't know. It's just that his his bad plays are, like, supremely, awfully, terribly, and untimely bad that it yes. ruins everything else. Like, that's exactly yeah, what it is. true, like, but that should ruin it. Yeah. It's part I know. of the puzzle, though. I know, but like 95% of his plays and his performance is awesome. It's just that that 5% like is so bad and it takes the re- like it totally changes the rest of the game for the offense. But it's, it's weird. It's how you, like in terms of play numbers, like he has three or four bad plays a game, which on the large scope of things, you know, comparing to most quarterbacks, that's a good thing to have that few amount of bad plays, but right. they're so bad that it almost balances things out. And it's tough to watch that way because you think the Seattle game, those two turnovers in his own territory, awful, right? Go back to the Tennessee game, uh, you know, trying that game-winning drive there, a couple really bad plays, trying to mount a comeback there, same thing. Uh, you know, of course, the Green Bay game, you had the, the safety and then the interception to Jair Alexander. It's those type of plays, like they're, his bad plays are so bad each game that it ultimately is playing a humongous factor into the win-loss column. Uh, whereas compared to most quarterbacks, a bad play is just like, you know, missing an open throw on third and eight to set up a punt. You know, it's just it's just it's, different there. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's also because he compounds his bad plays with more bad plays, right? Like, if he has three of them, they all come in a row, right? And it puts the Vikings in a huge hole. It demoralizes the team. It demoralizes us as a fan base. Not that that matters with us sitting on our couches, but, you know, when fans are in the seats, right? I mean, everyone's sitting down when Kirk Cousins, if Kirk Cousins throws an interception and fumble in back-to-back drives, right? Like, that sucks. But here's the thing, though. Kirk Cousins' play in the third quarter specifically was not – like it was baffling, right? The this fumble sack, especially like you got to hang on to those. He's been doing that for years. It's very annoying, but the, the, it wasn't his fault that the Vikings lost this game, right? No, there's a no. there's an equitable distribution of blame this time. The last time I freaked out about Kirk Cousins, it was on Kirk Cousins. This time it was like Kirk Cousins played really well. Kirk Cousins played really really bad. Kirk came out, if you will, and then he had the opportunity to bring it back, right? Like to reel back did. the mistakes that he made and he made, he did it right. He went down, the Vikings scored after he blew it. The, the lead was completely blown. All of us were thinking, here we go again. Kirk marched down the field, the Vikings scored. Then it becomes about the defense, right? So yes, the third quarter was a huge, huge factor in ultimately this in the scoreboard, right? But the Vikings had a chance to come back from that. And for that reason, you know, Kirk gets a piece of the blame like everyone else does in every other game. But to me, this really comes down to that one play on that final drive in the with the rain pouring down, 94 yards to go. It's fourth and 10. 
and you beat Dantzler down the left sideline by what, like 45 yards in the air? Okay, couple things. We know DK Metcalf is a good football player. We know that he has sprinter speed. We know that he is getting better every single week, and we know that Russell Wilson is as good as they get at throwing the deep ball, right? All things considered, it's not that that pass was completed. It was the way that it was completed. You can't lose the football in the air when the game is on the line, when all you need to do is knock it to the turf. All the Vikings needed was that ball to hit the turf. That's it. So for me, if you're going to pick a GOAT, and I don't want to pick a GOAT in this game because there is a blame that you can assign all over the place, that includes Kubiak, Zimmer, etc. But if there is one guy, it's Cameron Dancer because he blew that one play that if he stops that ball from it, from landing in DK Metcalf's hands, or if he just draws up, if he does anything else, basically, but lose the ball in the rain, I don't even know. The Vikings are going home winners. And that is what the toughest pill for me to swallow is, is that it's pouring rain and you allow him to go 94 yards in under three minutes. And they did it without a problem. That's a problem for me. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And part of me, so you look back on it, it's, in a way, the defense played well on that series. Now, that sounds weird for me to say, but Russell Wilson was 4 for 12 on that drive, um, passing the ball. And he didn't spike it either. So, like, he was legitimately throwing a complete passes that whole drive. Uh, it's just that the ones he hit were big ones or big plays, you know. You got the long one to Metcalf. I think there was a big, lock, a longer one to lock it over the middle. That was twenty some yards. Uh, so he, that was the the deal. There is the, that's the problem with Wilson is that he doesn't in that on that drive he wasn't throwing short. He was going for the big play every time, which is tiring for a defense, which is difficult okay. to stop. And because essentially you have to make Wilson legitimately throw the ball incomplete four times. He's not spiking it. He's not checking it down for two yards. It's four incomplete passes that are necessary there. And it's, that's tough to do. And the Vikings almost had that two or three times. Uh, and the touchdown pass at the end needed a perfect throw from Wilson. Anthony Harris was right on top of Metcalf there on the crosser. And it still worked. So you got to give credit to Wilson there. Um, you know, I, I, I think the next part we need to discuss uh, is sort of the game management part. That's been all over, you know, the, the Twitter and, and what have you. You know, whether it's kicking extra points, whether it's, you know, kicking, going for the field goal at the end there on that fourth and short. Uh, so I kind of want to get your perspective on that. My big thought is going for two when they scored to make it 25-21. So Thielen had his second touchdown of the game. Kirk had just completed that 97-yard drive in the fourth to take the lead. And they went for the one-point kick to get 26-21. I would have liked them to go for two in that instance, because I feel like either way you force Seattle to score a touchdown yeah, and they, a touchdown takes the lead either way. If it gets 27, 21, a, they still need to make an extra point in the rain, which is not, I mean, it's that the odds they miss are still slim, but it's still something extra that they have to work for. And then B, if it's 27, 21, uh, and you get the ball back, you have the field goal to make it a two possession game, which is where the Vikings could have put this game away. Okay, so the two-point conversion versus extra point situation, I don't have a very strong opinion on that, right? Um, I think the Vikings did a pretty good job. The theory that I always follow with the extra point versus two-point conversion is you try to make the two-point conversion attempt your final score, right? So I I would have kicked the extra points over and over, and then when you get to the final chance, I probably would have gone for two. 
after the, the Thielen touched on that you're mentioning, but I don't have a I don't have a huge issue with the choice to go for the extra point instead. Now, the the bigger debate to me is really when it came down to it, when the Vikings had fourth and two, and they could have kicked the field goal to put it at a what it would have been an eight point game, and the Vikings chose to go for it on fourth down. That to me is the hotter debate. Just because it really, like, everything was in front of the Vikings at that point in time, right? And mm-hmm. it becomes a complete, like, you know, it becomes a, a judgment call. It becomes an analytics call. You know, there's people, like, that there's so many different viewpoints on how you could take it, right? A lot of people would say, take the three points, give the ball back to Wilson, hope he doesn't go down and get two as well, right? But you're playing Russell Wilson. So I understand the fear in doing that, right? He could do that easily, but then I guess you are playing for overtime, so you have to factor that as well. Now, if you go for two, the game, or excuse me, if you get it there on fourth down, the game is straight up over, period. You're going to either run out the clock or you're going to score a touchdown again, and it's going to be over. So if the Vikings had gotten it there, which, by the way, not Madison, it was the blocking in that play that sucked. If Madison gets the Mm -hmm. first down there, no one has a problem with that play call. And I still don't have a play problem with the play call. I've got a problem with the execution. And really, I don't even have an issue with them choosing to run the ball instead of passing it. Because I think I trust Madison in that situation more than I would Cousins, yeah. to be honest with you. So, well, yeah, Madison was chewing them up the whole second right. half. And, and they so played, I don't have they, a problem the with way, the, And the way the play was schemed up, it was O'Neal and Ham were sort of the, the lead blockers on the right. play, right? If you look at it. And both of those guys kind of got stonewalled yeah. um, a little bit more O'Neal than they should or they would. Hard. Yeah, yeah, in most cases. That's kind of why it didn't work to me. And some can say, if you look at those still shots, well, you could have gone to the right, and there was a big hole there. Um, the thing is, if you look at it, like, that, the linebacker that hit Ham, I don't remember his name from Seattle, but had the outside shoulder there on Ham, and bouncing outside, maybe Dalvin Cook could have done it and picked up that first down. It would have been a lot tougher for Madison to do so. And so I think trying to split the hole there between O'Neal and Ham was the right call. And Ham was just stonewalled there and he ran into him that's just what happened but so we're, the call was the right call to page. go for it okay yeah we're on the same page yeah. that it's the right call okay cool so we're since we're cool with the fact that the call happened you've got then you've got the execution issue right which is what you're talking about now the execution issue sucks right i mean ultimately like we can't sit we can both sit back here and you know our chairs and be like oh i wish brian o'neill had blocked better i wish cj hammond you know yeah done a better job, right? Whatever. I'm not going to dwell on that. Now, the, the next issue that I have is you make that call, right? You make that decision. It's twofold. One, you get a chance to go home and just walk out and you win if you get the first down. The second part of that decision is that they're starting at their own six-yard line as a result yeah. of stopping you if that happens. This is the problem that I have in this entire game. It's not the call because the call itself was a great one. If the Vikings execute there or if they hold them to not scoring a touchdown over the course of 94 yards in the pouring rain, then the Vikings also win. So the decision there is as good as you can get. Mike Zimmer has been screwed on making these types of decisions his entire career. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to give him flack for this one. Because 94, I can't express this to you guys enough. That's nine first downs. Ten first downs, technically. It's pouring rain. So, like, yes, Wilson's the one of the best throwers of the football. 
but it's raining really hard. It's more difficult than ever for their receivers to keep their footing, and they're trying to make you know crisp breaks out of their routes. It's harder than ever to throw that football. It's easier than ever to defend because everything is like traveling slower or slipperier or just simply more difficult for the off block you, and you let them go all the way with two fourth downs. That's not about any decision. Like, we don't need to talk about the fact that the Vikings, quote, rolled the dice. We need to talk about the fact that the Vikings blew it when they took a perfect gamble. If you gave me those odds in Vegas, every day I'm taking those odds. Every single day. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings couldn't find a way to get it done. And part of that is youth. Part of that is that they targeted, you know, a cornerback with very little experience. And But ultimately, they beat our guys, too. Like you said, they beat Anthony Harris despite having coverage draped all over DK Metcalf. I'm not even mad about the coverage. I'm just mad about the fact that the ultimate result was their guys beat our guys in a situation where we were supremely favored to win as far as odds go. And that really bugs yeah. me because I, I can't get around it. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason. So you look at, like, you know, now the the updated, like, measurements and, like, you know, DVOA and stuff like that coming out. And Vikings are, you know, in, in those measurements above league average. You know, they're 1-14, in 14, but they're above league average and some of that stuff. And... Goes, you know, when you have a, a one-point loss to Tennessee, who is undefeated as of now, uh, and you have a one-point loss to Seattle, who is also undefeated, you know, the Vikings are one and four, and it's kind of that 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 debate of well, they're not good, they're not ready to beat good teams, or are they, you know, are they good enough and are they better than their record? And it's just a couple of plays here or there, and you know, Vikings are looking at a three and two record right now. Right. Uh, so Eric, it's that's it's true. just. It is, and so it's it's a little bit weird as a fan right now because you don't really know how to feel about this team because I don't want to play the optimism card too much. I don't like doing that. I don't like getting my hopes up with this franchise because that's not that never works out. Sure. But the schedule gets easier moving forward. You got Atlanta. You have opportunities against divisional opponents, and then you have home games against you know like the likes of Carolina, Jacksonville, Dallas. Moving forward later in the season, it's not. With the seven playoff seeds, it's not out of the realm of possibilities yet, given that this team is showing signs of competitiveness against really good teams. Right. Uh, but it's just now it's, it's a maturity thing to me, especially with the defense, as we saw in the Seattle game. And then uh, you, could, you could also mention like Holton Hill's mistake against Tennessee where he catches that pass and then the game's over there. Like right. it, this team is not quite ready to beat those good teams. And it's costing – it's already cost two wins that – you know, I, I would say the Vikings outplayed Tennessee most of that game, and they outplayed Seattle most of the game Sunday night. So they're right there, and, and it's I'm honestly like the win-loss record sucks, but I'm impressed very much the last three games with how Zimmer's coached them and how they've progressed after those ugly, ugly first two games. I would agree with that. I do think that they show signs of being a more competitive team than the one that I was complaining about just a month ago. You know, I still am ready to throw in the towel on this season as a result of this game, because yeah, ultimately I get that one and four this, is not promising. Exactly. So despite the fact they played super well, it's just the numbers for me at this point, right? You've, you've only got 11 games left. Chances say Vikings aren't making the postseason. So for that reason, I'm still out now, as far as being optimistic about this organization moving forward and how well they can compete. The Vikings kind of have a bit of an issue here because they're bad at being good and they're bad at being bad. Because this team is a quality team that's going to beat a lot of bad, like truly bad teams, and probably is going to upset a couple of good teams. 
They almost just did it against Seattle. They almost did it against Tennessee, like you said. They could easily do this again against Green Bay. I could totally see this Vikings team going in and beating Green Bay. Still, despite the fact that they're one and four, despite all the issues that are still present, I can totally see, you know, it's just one play, like he said. It's like Adam Thielen said. If DK Metcalf just drops that ball, it doesn't even have to be deflected by a defender. If he just drops it, Vikings are two and three. We're really, really excited. We're talking about going into Atlanta and then a bye, potentially being three and three and coming all the way back from a shitty start. But that's not what happened. And as a result, like we just have to look at the like the objective numbers say the Vikings are screwed right now. But, but yeah. they're probably still gonna find a way to win some football games. So it's like we're back to that question that we asked last week. Like, yeah, I'm never gonna root for the Vikings to lose. But when they end the season at what, probably six and ten, I'm gonna be pissed that they weren't three and thirteen because I know they have the potential to be that bad, but I also know they have the potential to be a nine and seventeen. So it's a really weird spot to be in. And as a fan, I'm going to say, hey, keep trying to win, but I'm still going to be mad at 6-10 and 10 at the end of the year yeah. because it's just not it, good enough to be bad. It's weird. Or it's not it's good weird. enough to be good either. It's weird. And the part of it, you know, we talked about this before, but, like, it just sucks that you know that it's still – the team is still limited even with, like, the contract situation. They paid Cousins and they paid Cook, which is not – looking awesome right now because Madison was in there running way more efficient than Cook was in that Seattle game, but that's also another Cook's hurt, issue. by the way, so all the and medical flags hurt. that we brought up over the reasons why not to sign him to a long-term yeah. deal, they're, here we are again. We're not even talking about yep. that today, but that's that's a real thing now, by the way. So, continue. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just, it, and I'm, I I don't know what to feel because, like, there's there's so many different possibilities here, you know, that that, like, I, I, the crowd of tank for Trevor and, and like, you know, fold the season. I, I'll never subscribe to that, but I, I, it just seems like this team's too good for that. And then you look at the playoff situation and unless something crazy happens, you know, a crazy win streak, Mike Tyson, 2005, you know, they make a run at it with Brad Johnson in there. Like they're, you know, that's, that doesn't seem like a realistic possibility either because of those t- two really hard losses to Tennessee and Seattle, where, Probably should have won at least one of those. So, right. I uh, it's I don't know. I really don't know what to feel right now. It's kind of weird. Like I, you know, I, I if they lose to see Atlanta, then there we then we can kind of start maybe thinking more about the the tank for Trevor situation. That's the problem is that they're probably Atlanta, not going to lose to Atlanta because they're of course bad. not. They they're should even not. worse at being good than the Vikings are. They're bad at being bad too. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're they're good at being bad. They're, they're, they're bad, bad at being good. At good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also Mike Zimmer just owns Matt Ryan, so I can't see a scenario where that suddenly changes. But uh, we'll talk about that in the next in the next show. But I don't know. I, I this has kind of gone all over the place lately. Uh, last few minutes here, I'm just trying to collect my thoughts on where I feel about this, like what I feel about this team right now, because it's, it's it's a tough. So it's tough to organize your thoughts because I understand what you're saying because you look at the performance yesterday. I mean, you give. With the exception of that third quarter, Kirk Cousins was aces, right? So somewhere between a C and a B. Madison was really good. Cook was very solid before he went out with an injury. Thielen outstanding once again. Irv Smith finally showed up. A couple of huge catches, too. Jefferson and B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe all didn't play all that much, but important catches. James Lynch got a sack? Yeah. James Lynch? Right. Yannick was in there in the pass rush as well. Eric Wilson had the best game of his entire career. Eric Wilson was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome, and like, there's, there's, too. and it was yeah, the most like there's, 
most anticlimactic sack of all time, by the way, for Odenigbo, but he got one nonetheless. Hey, hey, he got it. He, he, it was a long time coming, and so there's like there's positives there to take away. Right. It, just, right. it seems like this team. Here's what. Okay, here's the takeaway. This team needed the preseason more than any team in the NFL. Oh, yeah. yes. They get a preseason. One and four team. is not the record, right? And I'm not trying to make an excuse for this team because you know everybody's dealing with that right now, right? Like no team got a preseason. Everybody was trying to get acclimated, you know, prior to week one and regular season where the game counts. But so many rookies, so many or so much inexperience on the defensive side. Clearly, that has changed since week two. Like it looked like the two week preseason would have been perfect for this team. Yeah. And like the I, I thought I saw today the Vikings since week three since that Tennessee game allowing less than 20% conversion rate on third down, which is easily best in the NFL, which is flashes of, you know, Mike Zimmer's best defense, I think a few years ago. It's like, it's there. I, it's, it's just, it's not amounting to wins, which is about inexperience and which is part of its luck too. Like part of that is just luck. Like, I don't know if it's how much luck it is that, you know, all of Kirk's, uh, you know, mistakes just happen to be just absolutely untimely and the worst catastrophic result ever or like Holton Hill dropping that interception against the Titans or there, there's just things that seem to happen. And I don't know, I, I'm trying to organize my thoughts here and it's not working, but well, one in four is weird right now. I, I do think so. Like the bad luck thing is like, I'm not, okay. I'm not a big believer in luck just in general. I just believe that if you work hard enough at something, eventually you tend to see results. The Vikings are the one thing in my life where I start to believe in luck a little bit more because like, like you said, like Holton Hill has prepared all his life to make that interception. And he's a he's got solid hands for a defensive back. He should have made that catch. And he didn't. It's just weird, right? And like when you look at Russell Wilson staring down ninety four yards last year on Sunday, it's just weird that it's always the Vikings allowing that that just that, that that issue to happen. I mean, as soon as Wilson got the ball, most of us were thinking this is gonna end in disaster. And we think that because we've we're we have learned, yeah, we're conditioned to think that way because of everything that has gone wrong in this franchise over since before I was alive. It's it's ridiculous. It's just, I'm like, I'm, it's so weird because I'm pleasantly surprised with the offense for sure through five games and especially the last three games. I, I am I'm surprised pleasantly with the defense. I am, and but it's you can't still be has happy about to that win. because of where we are record wise. Yeah. So I, I, I'm trying, like, I'm, I feel positive about that. And I have a weird confidence about this team moving forward. But one and four does not inspire that at all. So it, Two and it's three just... is literally a different world. And that's why this loss hurts so much. It's because two and three with a win over the Seahawks heading to Atlanta with a bye the ensuing week. That, like, that is, like, that is best case scenario after the 0-2 start yeah. for the Vikings. Well, and you look and around, the, the, look around there. the NFC. Look around the NFC. NFC East. I think the Vikings are better than all four of those teams. Uh, look at the NFC West. Arizona's kind of faltering. The Niners look bad now. Jimmy G's not even a starter-worthy quarterback anymore. Maybe Kirk's heading there next year. Uh, you know, and then outside, I mean, the other teams, NFC North, the Bears are a, are a fraudulent 4-1. and one. Lions are bad. Uh, you know, you look at the NFC South, the Saints aren't good anymore. Oh, they're they're scraping by when at home now. Panthers are the best team maybe in that division right now. That's my point. There's, like, this. But honestly, like everything you're saying right now hurt makes this loss hurt that much more because if you're I two know. and three, you're right in the thick of it. Not not necessarily for the division, 
but you're right in the middle of what's going on in the NFC right now. You've got a huge win over Seattle, who could, which you know down the road could become a very important victory. But it, and you you blow it like that's like that's just it's so Vikings that that had to happen, and it because like you just look at the the difference here. If we literally flip the score, and we're on cloud nine, we're talking about this team moving to three and three, heading into a bye, and then getting to play the Packers again with a rejuvenated team, a team that looks like it's had a preseason at this point. Because I completely agree with your take on the preseason. This team did not come out firing on all cylinders, and yet the last three weeks they look like a competitive team who can challenge anyone. And that's why I say, like, they're, this team is good enough to compete right now. But it's not it's not good enough to win, apparently. Like, we're going to get a competitive matchup every single week this season, probably. There's going to be a win. It might be, it might be the Green Bay game. I don't know. There's going to be a win this season where they, they shouldn't win that game. It could have been Seattle. But they're going to get another one where it's going to be like, okay, this team actually did, you know, have that potential to be a serious playoff contender this year. And it's going to give credence to Zimmer and Spielman and Cousins, and it's going to feed into that, okay, this is actually the regime that the Vikings need. Whether you agree with that or not, it's irrelevant because this is the team, this is the trio for the Vikings for the next three years. And I don't, I mean, it's going to take something catastrophic for Zimmer to be gone. So it's always always, we'll figure it out next time. But in my mm -hmm. experience as a Vikings fan, Next time, it's just as big of a disaster <laughs> as the first time. So, um, you know, this, um, is, this a, is kind a, of a wild, this is a wild, wild show, man. I, I, I am all over the place. I don't, know, I don't know how to. Yeah, I, I just don't know how to feel about it or digest well, it. I don't get it. Reposition this game. Like put this game week one and the Vikings are 0-1 coming off a 26-27 loss to the Seahawks. And yes, I understand that the first four weeks add credence to how good Seattle is. But if this happens week one, you're probably feeling pretty good about the Vikings season. I mean, they looked competitive at every single level. It's just that you can literally point to, what, four mistakes in this game? The inter the Kirk interception, the Kirk fumble, the Dantzler miss flub down the left sideline, and the final play of the game where Metcalf scored. You can point to four plays that really determined the result. Well, five, I guess, because I didn't include the, the fourth and two rush attempt. Five plays you can point to that truly determine the outcome of this game. And if any one of those goes a different way, the Vikings win. Do you understand how ridiculous these odds are? Like the Vikings found a way to lose. Mm -hmm. I've got a problem with that. And it's twice, not twice. They twice did because they were, if you look at like the win probability chart that you see on Twitter all the time after a game oh, like oh, that, yeah. Vikings were at like 80 something percent after halftime. Yep. Quickly went the other way to Seattle yep. after that. You know, it, it seemed like Kirk had like a Buffalo 2018 episode there where just could not get a, a normal play to work in his favor. It was a turnover, a sack, an interception over and over. Somehow the Vikings battled back from that, which you got to give Kirk credit for, you know, back-to-back -back touchdown drives to retake the lead there. Uh, you know, and at that point, Vikings are huge favorites to get the ball back. They're down in the red zone to lose that game. It's essentially twice the way they did. They're not ready to win, but there's so many positives on both sides that it's like, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I seriously don't know what to think. And I, I, a win against the Falcons is not going to change my change that either because it's the Falcons. So I, 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 that's my, that's my, I guess, final note. I have no idea. I do not know because anything's on the table at this point. This team could not win a game the rest of the season. I wouldn't be that surprised if they rattled off five, six wins in a row. That wouldn't terribly surprise me either.
So I'll close out with this too, because I agree that this team is going to be competitive every single week. And they're going to, I said this earlier today, talking to one of my buddies, I was just saying that like, they're, they're, they're good enough to beat the bad teams. So, you know, they're going to get two or three more wins and then accidentally beat a couple good teams because they are good enough at most Pete. Like this team is like 80% complete with the biggest issues being the cornerbacks, which is huge in a passing league and the quarterback who just steps on his own. Like, I don't even know. What but it's he's like doing three sometimes. plays a game. He's going to look awesome for 60 but plays in three, the game. And it's not even like, there's no rational explanation for him either. So like, I don't even know how you fix cousins because like he said, he's so good for like, 25 of the 28 throws that he makes. But those three throws always really, really suck. Or three decisions, whatever it wants to be. They They're really just suck. dramatically costing the team, like, you know, the, the, if you want to talk big nerd nerd vocabulary here, expected points or, yeah. you know, win probability. Like, his mistakes cost so much of that for the Vikings routinely, the mistakes he makes. And it's, it's never just like, you know, you know how, like, these quarterbacks do arm punts, right? Where they throw it 50 yeah. yards, it's picked off, and it's essentially a punt. He can never just do that. It's got to be return for a touchdown, or it's got to be a fumble in his own territory, or it's got to be a, like KJ Wright, where he picks it off, takes it to the 10 yard line. Yeah. It's, it's it's always, always something, something like Kirk. that. It's always something yeah. with Kirk. And this isn't this isn't even a Kirk game. This is a Cameron Dantzler game. But it's always something with Kirk. It's dynamite besides those plays. Throwing darts, hitting Irv Smith over the middle, like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, it, I still have no idea. I won't have any idea for a while about this team. I won't. This is definitely a hard one to digest, and I implore all of you listening to share your thoughts with us because obviously neither of us know what to think at this point. I mean, objectively, you can look at the record and be like, oh, the Vikings are screwed. But if you watch these last three games, Drew's right. There's reason to be excited about development for guys like Jefferson, who was not existing. They're, they're like four game, plays from being three and two. Right. That's why it's that's why it's weird because they're good but they're not. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So please share your thoughts with us. We're definitely open to other opinions on this, rational or irrational. I love to hear both. Please feel free to share those with us on the Daily Norseman, and then make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket Network as well. Uh, you can find all those podcasts on the Daily Norseman or on ClimbingThePocketNetwork.com. Uh, as for this show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere else where you find your podcast. And you can also watch Drew and I talk if you prefer to use that format on YouTube. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and we will be back later on this week to discuss the Atlanta Falcons. So thanks, folks. Oh.